The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. In today's message, we continue looking at the doctrine of election as it is set forth in the scriptures. As we've already seen, the doctrine of election and predestination are realities in the Word of God. As such, we have to either ignore them, reject them, explain them away, or accept them. As we learn more about what the Bible really says about election and predestination, we're going to find that these doctrines are not divisive, they're not exclusive, They're not anything to be anxious about, but rather they are the sweetest, most inclusive, most comforting teachings in the Word of God. The truth of the matter is, our eternal salvation is an everlasting love story between Christ and His church, between God and His elect people that began before the foundation of the world. So stay with us as we go through these doctrines. I believe when it's all over with, you'll take great comfort, as I do, in the fact that God chose his people in Christ before the foundation of the world and in time sent his son to die for them and in their lifetime sends his Holy Spirit to quicken them and make them alive. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Take my burdens to the
You know, that's what I've said before many times. That if you want to know what primitive Baptists believe, and you don't have long to talk about it, the best summation I know of it is Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. When the angel tells Joseph, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, which pretty much all Christian denominations believe that, but, but primitive Baptists believe that last one too. It says, for he shall save his people from their sins. From their sins. Let me just throw this back in, remind you of this, throw this in here for good measure. Before you get too far down the road of struggling with, well, wait a minute. Are you telling me there's somebody out there who would love to go to heaven, has a sincere desire for Christ, who loves his kingdom, but yet because they weren't chosen in Christ, they cannot be in heaven one day. You know, that's the other thing I told you last time that we don't believe. We don't believe in that person. That person does not exist. The person who has a sincere desire for Christ, the person who has a love for his kingdom, the person who exhibits the fruits of the Spirit, that's one who you can say has been chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, you see. So don't go down that road because that's not what we believe here either. So let's define the terms just a little bit here before we move on any further. The word election comes from the Greek word eklego. And it literally means the act of picking out or choosing. And it can also refer in its uh, noun or adjective form to the person that has been chosen. There's a word eklektoi, eklektoi, which means chosen out or selected, and it's translated often as the elect, okay? The word predestinate is the Greek word proorizo, and that means to limit in advance or to predetermine, determine before, okay, or to ordain. And it's from two words. It's a Greek prefix pro, which, you know, it ought to ring a bell with us in, in English. That means beforehand. And from the other Greek word, horizo, horizo. That's where we get our English word horizon, horizon. And horizo means to mark out a boundary, uh, in other words, that's what the horizon is. That's the bound of our vision, right? That's the boundary that we can see. And it, and it means to declare, determine, to limit, or to ordain. You put them together and it's to predestinate. And think about, in English, what it means. Predestiny. You see, God has determined beforehand the destiny of his children that is to be conformed to the image of his son. So then we read in Romans chapter 8, with that understanding, in verse 29, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Okay, that word foreknow there, we will deal with it a little bit later on. I don't think we'll get to it today, but there's a, there's a few uh, false explanations of election. And, and just to give you a preview, one of, the, one of the explanations that's out there said, well, this is how I believe it. God looked down through time and saw what you would do, whether you would choose him or not, or whether you would live right or not, or whatever, whatever your condition is for being a child of God, and therefore he chose you based on what you did. But I want you to notice something important here in verse 29. It doesn't say for what he foreknew. He says, for whom he foreknew. 
Over in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 2, I believe it is, he calls us, he, he's writing, he says, I'm writing to the elect according to the foreknowledge of God. That word foreknowledge there is, is a word that means not just knowing about. There's a big difference in knowing about somebody and knowing them. It is an intimate knowledge. It is knowing the person, knowing who they are. You know, I said this, I think, last Sunday night, but uh, before Sherry and I ever met and started dating, I knew about her. But I'll tell you, after 30 years of marriage, I know her. And she knows me, which is unfortunate for her. But anyway, she's, but we know each other now, you see. I don't just know about her, I know her. And that's what he's talking about here, whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Say, so where else do you get this idea that God chose a people in Christ? Well, turn with me over to the book of Ephesians, the very first chapter. In the book of Ephesians, I love this book because it gives us, if you read the whole book, it's generally divided in half. Three chapters, the first three chapters, and then the last three chapters. The first three chapters really focus upon doctrine, primarily upon doctrine, the doctrine of election, the doctrine of the church, and those kinds of things. Then the last three chapters really focus on the practice. And you know, that's what a child of God needs. We don't just need these high theological doctrines to be running around in our minds. We need those high theological doctrines to get down and dirty with us in this world. And we need to put them into practice. And we need to live like we're children of God. You know, that's what he says in one place. He says that they have the power to become the sons of God. In other words, those that, and by the way, those were born. That's in, that's in John chapter 1 and verses 12 and 13. They were born in the past tense, were born before they could even act like a child of God. But that's telling us that, you know, my daddy used to say, son, act like you're somebody. <laughs> Child of God, you need to act like you're somebody because you are somebody, not in yourself, but in Christ, you see. Now, notice what he says in Ephesians chapter 1. It's one of the, I believe it's the longest sentence in the scripture right here. We won't go through all of it, but he said in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, which tells me if you have a spiritual blessing, it's a blessing from God. It's not something you worked up on your own. He hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Galatians 5.22 tells us that about the fruits of the Spirit, those spiritual things that we're blessed with. Now notice verse 4. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. Notice who's acting and who's acted upon. It's he that is God acting upon a people who are then placed in Christ before the foundation of the world. You know, I'm reminded every time I read this of the question uh, God asked Job in Job chapter 38. Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? Child of God, where were you? Where was I before the foundation of the world? He's asking Job about laying the foundation. Where was, you know, it begs the question of where you were before. Job wasn't there at the laying of the foundations of the world, and you and I weren't there at the laying of the foundations of the world, much less before the foundation of the world. 
So we had no ability to act then. We had no existence then, saving the mind and purpose of God. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. We're going to come back to this, but I've already mentioned it. I'm going to mention it again. I'm going to pound on this throughout, hopefully, my whole ministry, but especially talking about the doctrines of grace. If you ever see anything but love in election, you've missed it. You've misunderstood election. If you ever see anything but compassion and mercy in election, you've missed it. It's not about the wrath of God. It's about the love and compassion and mercy of God. He did this in love that we should be holy and without blame. I don't know about you, but I'm not holy and I am greatly to blame for many things in this life. But yet in the mind and purpose of God, even from before the foundation of the world, he purposed that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according as we will let him do it, according to our pleasure. Now, that's not what it says, is it? That's not what it says. It says, according to the good pleasure of his will. His will. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. I just want you to notice sometime, go through there and look at all of the, the action verbs and see who's doing the acting. And you know, most verbs have uh, an object that's being acted upon. See who's being acted upon. See, all the acting was done by God. All the benefit is enjoyed by us. We're so blessed. But you know, we're, we're going to, again, come, the Lord willing, if we continue in this series, we're going to talk about, I think the next article of faith deals with the, the topic of original sin and the fact that we are in a, such a state that we cannot recover ourselves. We are impotent. I believe the word is impotency that's used in the article of faith. The impotency of man to recover himself in and of himself from the fallen state he's in. You see, if you can ever just see the depravity of man, you'll understand that the only way of salvation is that God had to do it. God had to choose us because we would never have chosen him. Jesus says that in John chapter 5 and verse 40. He says, ye will not come unto me that ye might have eternal life. You know, that's not an invitation. That's an indictment. He's not saying, oh, well, please just come to me. He's saying, you won't. Not in your natural self. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. The man in nature will never come to Christ. You, in fact, he tells us in John chapter 6 and verse 44, he said, no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up in the last day. Later on in that chapter, he says, no man can come unto me except it be given unto him of my Father. Man in nature will not come to him. And cannot come to him. So if he wanted to, he couldn't. But if he could, he wouldn't want to. <laughs> That's a dilemma, isn't it? You know what solves that dilemma? Not the preacher, not the church, not some Bible track, not even the gospel. But God himself. God solved that dilemma. See, that's what election is all about. And as we go forward with this, we're about to close out this morning because we want to do the baptism. I want you to think about it. I want you to ask the question, what's the basis 
of election? Is it based on some merit that's in the people being elected? Is, you know, am I just, if I'm an elect of God, am I just better than you if you're not? Well, I think we're going to see pretty clearly that all of us are in the same condition. You know, primitive Baptists, of all people, ought never be prideful. You ever thought, you know, sometimes people get lifted up in pride because of some position they have or some, some ability they have or maybe just some group they're in, you know. We, we don't like cliques. We don't believe in cliques in the church because, let me tell you something, I, I'm, the only clique I'm a part of is that old fallen Adam race. <laughs> That's, we're all in a clique, all right, but it's, it's the same clique, and we're all, none of us better than anybody else. See, it's not about your merit. We're going to see as we read over in Romans chapter 9, and we'll just sort of turn there, if you will, and we'll close out this morning. After he tells us about the purpose of God according to election, he says, first of all, it's not of works, but of him that calleth. So he's telling us clearly there, you never will work your way to heaven. He goes on to say, It was said unto her, The elder shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there righteous, unrighteousness with God? God forbid. For he, will say, he saith unto Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. That's where I told you earlier, that's the best statement of the, of the electing grace of God. There he is. It's about his mercy and compassion. But notice in verse 16, and we'll close out with this. So then it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. In other words, no matter what anybody tells you, it is not about exercising your will in order to become a child of God. Because it's not of him that willeth. Now you ought to exercise your will after you've been born again. You ought to exercise your will to serve God. But understand that the exercise of your will is a result of the new birth and not in order to get it. What can a dead man do to get life? What will can a dead man exercise who's laying on the table of the, of the mortician? What will can he exercise to rise up from that? He cannot exercise a will because he has no will. It's not of him that willeth. You know what would, it would take for that man to rise up in life from, that, uh, from that, that mortician's table? It would take someone granting him life in a physical sense, giving him physical life. Lazarus was in the grave. Lazarus didn't need a doctor. Lazarus didn't need a self-help plan. He didn't need a 12-step program. He needed the Savior to come to him and say, Come forth, Lazarus. And he came forth. After he came forth, he looked to those around him, Jesus did, and said, Now loose him and let him go. He had these grave clothes on him. But he had to have life before he needed the grave clothes removed. Until he had, until he had life, he needed those grave clothes, <laughs> like every other corpse. You see, it's not of him that wills, nor of him that runneth. That's the works that he's talking about there. It's not about works. Over in, I think it's the 11th chapter of Romans, he'll, he'll, say, he'll say to us that if it's of works, it's no more of grace. And if it's of grace, it's no more of works. You ever poured water or, or done like me and left a, five-gallon bucket of oil that I've gotten out of my car, you know, to change it, left it sitting outside and it rained on it. You know, I don't look in there and say, oh, now I've got a, I've got a water oil mix that I can use somewhere. <laughs> no, 
because oil and water don't mix. And in an even greater way, works and grace will never mix. What do you do when you work? You earn wages. You know what the wages of sin are? It's death. That's the only wages I read about in the Word of God. You know what grace brings? Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is mercy to the nth degree. And it's grace that we need in the condition that we're in. It's not based on works. It's not based on our will. But praise God, it's based on the mercy and grace of our great God. I'll leave you with this thought. We all like a love story, right? I mean, some, especially you ladies out there, you like the Hallmark Channel. Some of you do, I know. You know, I always end up confessing I hate doing this, but I have to. But I, you know, I act like I don't like it, but, you know, I'll look at those little romance movies and, you know, they're kind of neat. You know, I don't let anybody know that. Of course, I've just told everybody now. <laughs> but don't we all love a, we love a little romance story, don't we? You know, the guy gets the girl in the end and they live happily ever after. I want to tell you, beloved, there is no greater romance story than the everlasting romance between the Lord Jesus Christ and his bride, the church. Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, Jeremiah tells us. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. See, election is the everlasting love story of God for his people. And it's the only love story where they truly live happily ever after. Happily ever after doesn't work in this life. There's happiness, there's love, but there's also sorrow. If nothing else, if you have a perfect marriage, you have a perfect relationship, one day one of you is going to die if the Lord doesn't bless you both to go at the same time. And, and, and there'll be a problem there for some time. Somebody's going to be left behind to, to struggle. But in the, in the love story of Christ and his church, it is a happily ever after that will never be marred, that will never be messed up, but that will exist down through all eternity. Thank you for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J-C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.